Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. Uh, and I'm super excited about our guest that we have here today, um, Bloom Davis, they, them pronouns. Hi, Bloom. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, so we all have multiple coming out stories, and I would love to hear one of yours or whatever you'd like to share with us. Sure. Um, so the first time I ever remember coming out, I was about four or five years old, and I told my mom that I was a boy and that I was going to grow up and marry a girl. And her response was, no, you're a girl and you're going to grow up and you're going to marry someone who looks like daddy. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, I, I, it was just, I was so caught off guard and I was like, oh, okay, you know, like when you're young, you're just told usually to be who, who people want you to be around them. Um, and... And I just kind of like f took that at face value, and um, I not I I don't remember ever consciously thinking about my queerness. Um, I I do remember one experience where I had this really flamboyant dance teacher, and I was really perturbed by him and turned off, and and I would pretend to be sick so I didn't have to go to his class. Um, and I totally just, I was internalizing all these messages of like what a man should be, what a woman should be. Um, and just kind of uh, feeling really uncomfortable around this person. And looking back on that, I, I regret it. Um, I, I feel... Like, that is kind of a common experience in Texas to reject, or in being where I'm from, like, rejecting this narrative of otherness. Um, and then I went to high school, and I had a boyfriend, and then I had this moment where um, I, I realized I thought that he was gay, and we broke up, and... Uh, Later on, I was like, oh, like, I think I'm gay. Are you? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, man, I definitely thought we were going to be like two gay best friends. <laughs> um, and then I, I had this moment in high school where I had a crush on two people. And it was this cis guy and um, this trans man. But at the time, he wasn't out. So uh, I was like, OK, I have the, this decision. Like, I'm, I can come out as queer or I can date this cis guy and I chose the uh, the person that would have me come out as queer um, and at that time I didn't know what it meant uh, I remember being in the car with someone who is now an out bisexual but at the time was a lesbian and she was like 10 years older than me and I was like I think I like both I'm not sure and she was like no like if you like women like you are gay like mm. you'll figure it out later and I remember my sister one day saying like like okay you maybe like women now but later you'll like men like something happens whenever you're 25 where like you suddenly want to have kids and I was just getting all these messages um that were trying to fit me into a box of uh sexuality and all the while I'm questioning sexuality and gender um and it wasn't until I was in college and I had a non-binary professor, Shane Wally, who's amazing, and I had a really rad therapist uh, named Adam, and he taught me about uh, being non-binary. And uh, I remember one day I, I came to a session with him and I was like, I think I'm non-binary. And the next time I came back, he had 
changed all of the pronouns in his notes from the previous three years of seeing him. Oh my gosh. And he just, he like went above and beyond to wow. help me feel welcome. Ugh. Um, and, and checked in about name and, and frequently would be like, okay, you still want to use these pronouns? Like, how's it feeling? And, and just really was like a fairy godmother to me. Um, and whenever I came to New York, I decided that every person I met, I was going to tell about my pronouns and I was going to be fully out cause I was living kind of like half in half out in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not out to everyone here. Like I, um, certain jobs that I have, I don't tell them because it it feels like if they reject it, it feels like really high stakes then to keep working there. And yeah. sometimes it feels easier just not to tell anyone. Um, and that's something I'm still kind of figuring out about myself. And uh, I'm about to move. So with that move, I am really wanting to establish more connections where people know about my pronouns and where I can be authentically myself. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I I want to go back to something you said about the flamboyant dance teacher. I've had um, such similar experiences. I grew up in Ohio, so not Texas, but similar, I think, in like the being in the middle of the country, I guess, like versus a coast. And I had a camp counselor, and I actually just remembered her. I don't know what her pronouns are now, but then they were her and she, her. And she had, like, leg hair and armpit hair and was, like, had a cool mullet. And I also was, like, to use your words, like, perturbed and turned off because I also was taught, like, that other is is bad. And I didn't want – like, I didn't want to see – I think subconsciously I saw myself so much in her that I was so, I was like, I can't be seen being nice to her because then people will automatically know that like there's, I'm hiding something or that I'm more like her than I'm not like her. And so that really resonated with me. Yeah, it can feel easier to push things away whenever they're scary than to address the things within ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I didn't come out until I came out as a lesbian at 20 because at that time I was still identifying as a woman and thought that that was the word that I had to use. Um, but I kept that in for 20 years because it was e- it was easier to, to run away from it than to confront it until it wasn't anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's really scary, especially whenever we're getting all these messages in media and in our religious groups and our friend groups and our families like I I spent so long being so afraid to be myself mm-hmm. and um and it was it was this thing I had to like really have just like two different lives and and at, like in high school I had two different names that I went by mm-hmm. and I had this joke because I I was always just joking around and uh not really ready to like address this fully and and didn't even have the the language to do so but I I would be like yeah I'm not gay but Tammy is Mm -hmm. and then someone would see me and I'd be like no that was Tammy that was someone else and like Mm -hmm. it was it was obviously me and I was just messing around but uh it was it felt like really high stakes to come out in my high school there weren't that many people that were out we didn't have queer or out queer teachers um, so yeah, I spent a lot of a lot of my time like that, and I, I like would wear this ring that had the woman symbol on it, mm-hmm. and I I remember like I would put it on and I would feel like okay I'm like flagging right now like people know that I'm queer and it's just a silver ring with a tiny little thing that it does not show like people won't notice it but. I kept it under my bed. I was so afraid that someone like my mom was gonna find it. I was so afraid like people would then know. Um, but it's, yeah, it's hard to address those things within ourselves. Uh, and if you don't see it around and it's not a common experience, uh, that people are talking about, it's, it can be really scary. Definitely. I had this moment in therapy when I realized after years of going, every time I would talk through any kind of identity issue or thing that I was talking about, um, instead of saying I, I would say you. Mm. 
And so that reminds me of what you were saying about like, that's not me, that's Tammy, even Mm -hmm. though it's like, that is you. Um, I don't know if, if the word dissociating is, is proper to use in this scenario, but that's, that's how I use it, at least for me of like being outside of myself and talking about this other person, even though it's me. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like, I, I, I was always like joking around and trying to like dodge questions via humor because Mm -hmm. it was a lot easier to have this joke persona character than to actually come out. Mm -hmm. Um, Because actually whenever I did come out in high school, like I lost pretty much all of my friends Mm -hmm. and I went from like being very gregarious and very happy and um, I was very social and uh, my when some someone who's now an out lesbian who told everyone about mm. me being queer um mm. when and also like in in New York now and I'm like ah but also I get like it's it's complicated yeah. right um yeah. but whenever I was outed they like the my friends stopped talking to me and people like I would sit down on the couch in theater and people would get up and leave. And oh, man. I didn't have the confidence to be like, what's up? Like, tell me, like confronting it. So I just let myself go inward and get yeah. really quiet and get really depressed. And my whole like personality changed. I got really uh, like quiet and antisocial and um it wasn't until like a couple of years ago that I kind of like came back out of that. Mm-hmm. Like back to yourself almost. Yeah. Wow. I think I, 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 I think it's so incredible that you did come out in high school, even though the repercussions are like the fear of why people don't come out. Um, do you have any, like if you could do it over, would you do it differently? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. Mm. Um, I think it's it's challenging now because if I was in high school now, I definitely would have come out and yeah. been more unapologetic about it. I do wish that I would have at least tried to be like, yeah, I'm queer. That's who I am. Um, at the time, probably like, yeah, I'm a lesbian. Like, And see what people said rather mm-hmm. than it just being this like hush-hush kind of like mentality of we don't don't talk about it like this this like kind of catholic quiet like sinful thing that we just that that goes over there and you you address it later um I do wish that I would have um I guess maybe told my family because I didn't tell them until I didn't tell them I was queer I actually have haven't told my dad Mm. um I told my mom in like 20 14 on Thanksgiving um but I do wish I would have told her because I there was this one mom that was like being really mean to me about it Mm -hmm. and I remember I was crying and she asked me what was wrong and I said that someone had said something about me this mom had said something about me and she was like well you should go talk to her about it tell her how it feels and I was like that's terrifying like she's a mom I can't but I wish I could have given her like the the context of what was going on and maybe she could have been more, she could have been supportive. I don't know what she would have felt. Um, but I, I do wish that I had more allies. I had like two teachers that were pretty supportive. Um, but I, I want, I wish I could tell myself to like at least try and see how it goes. Yeah. That's so, it's so hard. Yeah. And now that I'm saying that I'm kind of like, Oh, I'm giving my my current self that advice because I I um, haven't talked to my parents about pronouns. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they will take it well. Um, but uh, now that I'm saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, and it's still really hard. <laughs> and yeah. I um. I my parents still make mistakes, and like they are trying. At least they're trying. Like, there was a period of time where they weren't because I think it was just too hard. There, But we've had so enough conversations where I think they finally get that they need to at least be trying. Mm. Um, and they're getting better. But that's scary. And it's, you know, when you put yourself out there and 
whoever you're putting yourself out there to isn't receptive and isn't warm, especially a family member or someone that you really care about. That's like, it's just really hard. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's balancing what's more important, like meaning what's going to, what's to protect yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what I mean of like making sure that you're always number one and that if you know a reaction won't be what you think it is, like maybe it's not worth I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's up to the individual, but Yeah, it's really tricky. It's yeah. it's um it's a risk. And I I have told a couple family members and one person said like, No, I'm not gonna do that. Mm. And I was like, Well, it's really important to me and they were like, Well, like, it just doesn't make sense. It's not, you know, all the grammatically Ugh, correct. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just kind of gave up and our relationship has drifted. Um, but since, yeah, I, it's, it's really complicated. It's, it's really hard whenever the, like, people, uh, it's really hard having people around me in my birth family who voted for the president, who still posts racist and sexist and transphobic memes online. Like, it's hard to tell them who I am. Yeah. It's like they're setting up so many barriers from the get-go, mm-hmm. and it's hard to. And I think, like, I feel like a like two years ago, I would what my my I, my reaction would be I'll try to have a conversation, and now my reaction is protect yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know I feel like we've been in this hellhole long enough to know that people who are still supporting him aren't willing to listen or don't just are not on the same page mm-hmm. and aren't willing to get on the same page. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a self-preservation thing of it's not even worth it. Yeah. Even though that can f- fucking suck because it's your family, your mm-hmm. birth family. And all we, all we are wired for is connection and to feel like we belong. Mm-hmm. And when that is taken away or at risk, that is scary. It's right. hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's biological. Yep. And the power of chosen family is real. Yeah. It, like th- having this family, this community in New York has been so transformative. My mental health, my creativity, everything just feels uh, how it's you know supposed to feel. It like yeah. when things are rough, they're there for me. Like using my pronouns is just and it's easy. It's I've played around with other pronouns with them and like my friends have tried them out for a day and tried different names like I've been experimenting with a couple different names recently Mm -hmm. and um and this morning I I made my friend breakfast and then she was like she said the name she's like thank you and then called me it and I was just like just so overwhelmed with just this joy that like she's taking the time and like and the you know it takes a little bit of mental energy to like shift mm-hmm. names for someone and yeah. and you know it's it it's not that much mental energy but like it's it's more than nothing yeah mm-hmm. yeah and just for her to like call me I was like wow that meant a lot yeah that's really cool I I really feel the same way about chosen family and like I I feel lucky that. I, anyone in my like birth family that I've told has been generally on board and supportive, which is really nice. But also, I also feel the power of chosen family as in being in New York and um, just basically echoing everything you just said of like how crucial those safe spaces are to be able to um, try on different names and different pronouns. And I remember, um, when I started going by dubs full time and um, where I was working at the time, like people gave me shit about it. And I was like, I don't like just, you know, it's like for me, it's like you can expend a little bit of mental energy and like validate someone and respect them. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Mm -hmm. Um, But like where I work now at Keshet, it is that safe space community where we share our pronouns and no one bats an eye at anyone's pronouns ever and when they change they expend that little mental energy mm-hmm. to do their best to make sure that they're affirming that and um I remember before I legally changed my name I had my um 
it's like our CFO and our office manager were sending me some kind of like tax document and they, uh, cause it came to the Boston office and they crossed off my dead name and mm. wrote dubs and I'm going to cry. It just was like, they didn't have to do that, mm-hmm. but they knew that seeing my dead name was triggering and just a, a bad feeling. And so they took two seconds mm-hmm. and fixed it. And it was just like, this, can everyone do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just was, it was, so I definitely think, I actually think of my colleagues as my chosen family too, because they're just, they get it on a level that so many people don't get. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> Lenny, thank you, Lenny <laughs> and Caitlin. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, also, in the same vein, I'm still floored by your therapist changing your pronouns. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, this guy, can I say his name? If you want to, yeah. Uh, this guy's name is Adam Maurer. Um, I, I actually don't know if still he, him, or a guy. So this person's name is Adam Maurer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, th- this was a big part of my coming out story, actually, that I didn't mention was that um, I applied to go to a bunch of different schools. I wanted to study musical theater, but then uh, my family really wanted me to be a nurse. And so I went to nursing school at the University of Texas, and um, it's actually a pretty hard nursing school to get into. So my family was like, God wanted you to be in the nursing school. Mm. Like only 100 people get accepted. This is great. And my first semester, it was just like all of these cishet women and like mostly in sororities. And I was just so out of my <coughs> element. And I felt I felt just so uncomfortable and lost. And um, I went to him as a career counselor. And uh, he was like, why are you a nursing major? And I was like, well, because my family's not going to uh, like me for any other reason. So uh, I want to, like, do this one thing. It's just one thing that I'll do. And then they'll they'll still love me. And he was like, this is not just one thing. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a big thing. and then he, like, after that started, he became my therapist, and he, he really, tran- like, helped me transform my life and gave me so much agency. He introduced me to um, ethical non-monogamy and kink and all of these different, like, healing modalities. Um, and he also, whenever I moved to New York, he gave me this framed um, portrait of the Golden Girls and he said that they will watch over me in New York and I still have that. I have like a little altar with like all of the special things whenever I'm like meditating or um, needing to like gather some energy I go to like the altar and it has like the, the like pinnacle of it is that Golden Girls portrait. Wow. That's, a, that's amazing. <sighs> that you were, that you had that experience and that person to help introduce you to all these things that are important and life-changing. Yeah, I am really grateful. And he saw me for so cheap. I had Mm. no money. He saw me for $10 every session. Wow. And I had, I was going around to my housemates being like, can I have a dollar? Can I have a dollar? Like, I'll pay back. Like, I was, I was making like, I don't know, like 50 bucks a week usually. And like, that was, that was what my life was like when I was in college and I was on a full ride scholarship and it paid for housing and my housing included food. So mm-hmm. I had like no extra money and he was like going out of his way to, to care for me. And I feel so grateful for that experience and that relationship. Wow. Adam Maurer. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I was at, um, there was like after Pride, there was a genderqueer mid-afternoon frolic and it was a party of like several hundred hundred genderqueer people. Mm-hmm. And I want to go. Yes. What? <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, and I was just, I was standing, I was on the dance floor and they're like playing, um, I want to dance with somebody. What's that? I want to dance with somebody. Yeah, and we, mm-hmm. uh, we... I was looking around and everyone was like just so full of joy. Yeah. And just seeing like trans joy represented all around. And I was just thinking like, how did I get here? And whenever I trace all of the choices that I made back, it was like Adam took me on another path. 
he gave me a way out. He showed me that it's possible to be myself and to be authentic. And he showed me truth. And that's such a gift. Oh, that is such a gift. Showed you truth. Wow. That's great. I'm like, my brain's on <laughs> hyper... I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> also, I want to go to that party because that sounds awesome. Um, I think one of the first times I was ever in like an all, it wasn't all trans specific, but all queer and Jewish um, was when I went to our one of our like weekend retreats through work. And this was in 20, March of 2017. And... And it was all for teenagers. So I was like one of the adults in the room. But it was, it w literally was the first time in my life where I was in a space that was solely for queer and Jewish people. And I was in tears the entire time because it was so overwhelming and so beautiful and so full of joy and support and love. And I was like, I need this more in my life because it's such a feeling. Yeah. It is really overwhelming. Um, the first time I was ever around just all non-binary people was at a group at Blue Stockings mm -hmm. that a friend um, of mine, we've, we became friends through the group, uh, they facilitate. And it was so, like, I just kept finding myself tearing up because being around people that, like, just oh, feeling like I constantly have to explain myself and feeling like the other yeah. so often is exhausting mm -hmm. and to just hear so many experiences echoed all around was so powerful. Yeah, it is really powerful to not feel like you're the other. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I started producing like queer and trans events and then eventually started doing trans and non-binary events and just having a room full of all trans people, all non-binary and gender non-conforming people who are not just sharing moments of sorrow, which that is really powerful and it is that does have a place, but having sharing joy and sharing play, um, though those spaces have have been really transformative and ones that I've been to and ones that I've helped produce uh, just have had such a big impact on me and my feeling comfortable with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Community is so important. It's so important. To have those shared experiences and to just, um, I don't know, this metaphor I use is like wearing, like moving through the world, always wearing a backpack. And every time you're misgendered or, or when one or when I am misgendered um, or whatever, dead named, luckily that won't happen that much for me anymore because I've legally changed my name. But um I keep saying that because I'm excited about it. But yeah, <laughs> that's exciting. Yay, thank you. It's a big step. It is, and it's been such an arduous annoyance, but Bobby's been God. there <laughs> through every step. Huh. Um, but, yeah, it, it is. A, it was scary. Like, it, I just did it now, and I've been wanting to do it for a long time, but it's scary to, like, change everything, mm -hmm. um, but also really affirming. But um, So this, meta, this backpack metaphor is, like, and every time it happens, like, someone's, like, putting a rock or a stone or brick or something in there and that bag gets really heavy mm -hmm. and it's like it's you lose your ability one loses i see i'm doing it now for mm -hmm. i think i'm still like saying you instead of i um i lose my ability to be able to be present the heavier the backpack gets and so being in spaces where you can just take off the backpack and you're not we're you're not on almost like on guard or constantly yeah. worried that someone's going to misgender you or if they do it's it it you know, there's the difference between, like, a genuine mistake versus, like, someone who's just not trying. Mm -hmm. And that feels different. And it's, for me at least, it's easier to bounce back from when it's a genuine oopsie versus someone who just doesn't give a fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, living in in a cis-heteropatriarchy is, it's all-consuming. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it does feel like a backpack. It feels, sometimes it, it feels like just a full body like way down I like have a really hard time I I need to come back to my community and be like wait what is going on this like to have that validation from people around me uh so important because just yeah having like it's 
it's trauma that's building when people are like telling you that your truth is not truth. Yeah. It's, it's othering. It's, um, and like you said, like it's a biological need to have community. Like we, we are made, we are pack animals. We're made to, to be cared for and to be supported by our community. Yeah. It reminds me of what you said earlier in your story of how when you told your mom that you were a boy and you were going to marry a girl um, and her response was, no, you're a girl and you're going to marry a man, you know, when you're older. Um, and, and you mentioned it a few more times in your story of like being forced into these boxes where we don't belong. And that's also building trauma. And that's also, I don't think I... I think I'm still unpacking what all of those messages were from young, from young age. And like I would test the waters and see how, how family members and community members would react to this thing or Mm -hmm. that thing or um, just to gauge it and from afar. And, and it, you know, and no one was ever like hostile, but no one was like, gay people are great, Mm -hmm. you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever it was. It was always, um, and this was also 30 years ago, so times were different, and I don't want to excuse it, but, you know, I don't know. But I was, like, a mental note, and it was, like, writing it and filing it away each time of, like, yeah. well, I'm never going to do that again because there's the reaction I got, yeah. or I don't want to be humiliated, so I'm never going to do that again. Um, like, when I would do – like, two examples that come to mind are in preschool. I think this is one of my first memories was when a bunch of the boys – were sitting in chairs backwards as if they were motorcycles, like straddling. And I did it too because it looked fun and, you know, who cares? Uh, And the teacher was like, little girls don't sit that way. And it was – and I – you know, that warm wash of shame that comes over you? I was like, I just didn't even know why I couldn't sit that way and why, you know – and in my mind, but I didn't even have the words to describe, like, I'm not a little girl, so, Mm -hmm. like, let me, like, do this. And the other thing – did you ever play basketball? Okay. Yeah. So you know how um, when you set picks, typically women um, do like an X across their chest and then the men do it like across mm-hmm. their wheeze uh, or their crotchal <laughs> areas. Uh, it's <Crotchals>. also <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah. Um, it just, I always, when I would set picks, I would do it the way that like men are supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. It didn't even occur to me that I was doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I just did it because that's what felt right for me and was shamed in front of the entire team that I was setting my pick wrong mm-hmm. and was humiliated. And I was like, and so in doing, it's like in those moments where I had, where I had let my guard down um, and was just doing what was authentic for me, I got shamed so badly that I felt like, m- each time that happened, I more and more guard was up and mm-hmm. I wasn't ever able to just be present and be free or fully myself because I was so fucking scared of that humiliation mm-hmm. and that shame washing over me Yeah, that I like did not connect for a long time <laughs> to anybody, including myself. Yeah, that really resonates with me. I had an experience where a um, family member who was like... Uh, who works with a bunch of older, like, uh, they were, they're like 10 years older than me and they're all like really beautiful, uh, women. And I was always like very nervous around them and thought that they were super cool. Um, and this person, like we, we all went swimming together and my family member was like, lift up your arms, show them. And I, I wasn't shaving my armpits. And so I like lifted them up. And I remember they all screamed and they all were like, ew, oh mm. my God, that's so gross. Oh my God, what? And like, I was like mortified. Yeah. Like I ended up having just like that whole day, I was just like, like this shame washed over me that mm-hmm. like these people that I really admired that were like 10 years older than me, that were very successful um, in a world that I wanted to be successful in all shamed me. And, and I just felt, yeah, just, it, it's an accumulation thing. Like it's not just one experience. And, you know, I, that behavior is like not okay. And also like they are 
reinforcing because it was reinforced for them. Mm-hmm. It um, and like with my the example with my mom, like she was trying to get me to come with the pack. Like come, this is what we do. This is what it's like. This, this is how you stay safe. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, so yeah. it's a protection method. Yeah, and it's outdated. I mean, it's it's. I don't even want to say outdated because it it should have never been. Um, but it's a protection method that is not necessary and um, is violent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, I want to ask you a question. Um, It just came to me right now of um, like just parents in general. Um, I read, I don't know if you saw this um, op-ed, I think it was in the times of parents who grieve their trans child. Did you see that? I didn't see it. Um, and it essentially what it boiled down to was parents who grieve their child who is trans are transphobic because you're boiling down a person to their identity um, and not giving way to like nuance and mm. um, who like that there's more to someone than just their gender identity. Mm. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. And it, without more context, it might be hard. But I, I know I had trouble with that because I don't necessarily think am I like I read it a few times, and I don't know that I think that a parent grieving their child is transphobic. I think it can be hurtful to know, like, I I think of it more of, like, when one person transitions, the whole family transitions, because we're all getting used to new words and new um, ways of, of relating to each other. But I think if it's done with care... I don't, I think that there is a loss of like, like just thinking about me, like you were my daughter and now you aren't. And so there is a a factor of loss there. Um, Or gain. Or, well, right. I think it could be both. Like it's a loss of a daughter, but a gain of a child who's way happier Mm -hmm. and more connected and Mm -hmm. living life authentically and happily. Um, So, right. Right. I think it's like if it stops at loss and you don't acknowledge the gain, I think that's where transphobia comes in. But I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on that. Well, I've been thinking a lot about grieving in general and we are always grieving our past selves and we're grieving who we wanted to be. I think there's a problem in projecting anything onto another person. Yeah. And that's that's the part that I feel like we should grieve is the time where you were projecting something onto another person that caused them pain. Like that, that feels like the tragedy. Um, I mean, if your kid grows up and is not the baseball player you wanted them to be, then like, like, yeah, that mm -hmm. you wanted them, you were putting something on them that they didn't want or that didn't happen. And, that's that's the part where it's tricky and that's the part where I feel like reflection needs to be done on why you have those expectations mm-hmm. and what you think you are losing because I feel like whenever someone tells you the truth about themselves that's a that's a gain that's a win that's um, you've raised a kid who is living so authentically that they're going against what society is telling them to do what messages that they're that are instilled in them from birth are telling them to do and that's that's a win yeah totally I like the way you explain things so eloquent <laughs> I love it I just want to keep asking you questions well this is what this is for I will keep I will keep asking you questions <laughs> um I also, just really quick, and then I will ask you a question, another question, but this is reminding me of, you had mentioned a person who at the time was not out, but is now an out lesbian, but outed you to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I just, it reminded me of uh, this person in high school who I, actually I have no idea if they identify as queer at all now, but then I like bullied them for being queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and And it was, I think it might've been in the same way of like, as we were talking about earlier too about like our teachers or in our counselors of if I bully this person or if I out this person then no one will think that about me mm-hmm. but I actually just recently um apologized to her for being mean to her in high mm-hmm. school and she took it really nicely and then also was like yeah but you were kind of an asshole mm-hmm. and I was like yeah, I know I know that's why I'm saying sorry um 
But anyways, okay, so I want to go back to you. Um, we're talking about, actually, I'm going to switch gears. Um, I saw recently that you did, a, uh, that you've been examining toxic monogamy. And I would love for you to talk more about what that is and how you were studying it and um, how media affects our relationships. Because um, I think, because you, you brought it up too earlier too about um, just like how much that affects us. And so I would love to hear more about that. Great, yeah. Um, so I do performance art, and part of that is working with um, a, uh, an acrobatic partner, and we do acro drag burlesque. And each time we try to focus on a different topic that we feel like is important to us. And last month we did a show, we did a, we did a piece um, around toxic masculinity and toxic... Uh, monogamy and after talking about it for hours on end and just we we created the piece we talked about it we created the piece we talked about it again we're just discussing it It was just always on our minds we kind of broke down that a lot of where a lot of what we see as queer phobia or transphobia can be rooted back to toxic monogamy Hmm. which is the idea that um, once you find your one true love, everything will be fixed, no matter any practical like reasons why you shouldn't be together. Like love will love will prevail, and um, when you're like together forever, like you won't be jealous. Everything will be perfect. Like you don't need to work things out or talk about things. It'll just like you find true love, and things are things work out. It's the, the fairy tale Disney story. Um, and that's what a lot of our media is centered around. And it typically follows the gender roles, man, woman. Even if there is queer representation, it's usually like thin white butch or thin white mask man, thin white femme man. Or like, mm. si- like it's it, – there's even – there's a lot of like uh, – another like side note of like uh, typically like cis, gay, white, thin folks like – upper class usually like just buying into the system um and kind of like assimilating into it and how it's not like actually pushing the boundaries of what it what queerness is um but uh we examined um Greece the musical mm-hmm. and we did a piece where where like falling in love and um getting along and things are great and then someone walks by our friend Shelton who uh hosts this uh burlesque show at uh House of Yes um he walks by and um my acro partner like checks him out and I get really mad and I like shove him he, he's he's like playing um Danny mm-hmm. from uh Greece so I, like shove Danny back and um instead of Grease Lightning we do straight fighting <laughs> Um, and how we just do the, like, we have this fight scene, and then, uh, in the end, like, Danny proposes to Sandy to, like, make it all better, like, Mm -hmm. since I was just, I was really mad, um, uh, and then it's, like, we'll always be together, but it's, like, devolving and, like, crying, uh, like, just, like, we'll always be together, like, um, dancing and happy, and I have, like, a baby bump and a, and a balloon that says it's a girl, Um, but through this piece, we really examined that, like, um, if you're not fitting into these, like, two binary systems of, like, man, woman, one man, one woman, they go together, everything works. Um, if you, if you are bisexual, that's a threat because, like, you, you, then the people that you might be attracted to doubles or Mm -hmm. quadruples, um, and if uh, you're trans, like the, it's like, how do you even place that? Like, who, what, what do, you, who's attracted to who? Like, how, how does this, um, whom? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please edit that in. It's very important. <laughs> no, I'm just getting gra- grammar is classist. Um, it is absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I went on a long tangent on that one, but I don't uh, the. The post I made is definitely more eloquently written. <laughs> yeah, it was. I 
Yeah, it's so interesting. I now I have Greece stuck in my head. <laughs> Ramalama ding dong will always be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so. Um, it's. I what I appreciate about appreciate about you is that I feel like I learn a lot from your social media, and I'm, you're not afraid to just post what's like. I was reading through the comments and like it didn't seem like that many people were giving you a hard time about this. But I feel like a lot of times people can feel threatened by what is it used to, it, it's because of a very conscious effort to oh, okay. read out my social media. I gotcha. Okay. Um which people have pushed back on me with. They're like, you should, like, why aren't you friends with people from your high school? Like, why, like, why do you delete people so often? And I'm like, well, that, I'm like, I want Facebook to, or I want my social media to be a space where I can express myself. Yeah. And, but I did used to get a lot of pushback, mm -hmm. even like non-binary, like coming out, like, um, but I usually just like sift through, like I have, I have a method of, of weeding through people, like, um, but yeah, I mean, one person was like, this is monogamy really the enemy? And I was like, that's oh, not right. the point. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I did see that. Um, I was, I was waiting for it to be much, cause then they were like, after like one post of education, like I can get behind that. Yeah. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> yeah. Good people. Yeah. I also, I, I go back and forth between, um, Cut, like defriending or blocking people. Um, but then I have friends say like the only way they're going to learn is if, you know, they're being exposed and can ask questions and yes. And I don't want to mm -hmm. always be the educator, yeah. even though that's my, per I mean, I think especially also because I do it for my day job all day, every day that sometimes I want social media to be not that right. Even though I do curate it mostly to be that. Yeah. Um, but so I, what I usually will like unfollow people so I don't have to see their mm. stuff. And then I don't know how many people have unfollowed me or un unfriended me. But I think it's all about like what your boundaries are and what makes it feel safest to be able to log in. Yeah. And yeah. And it's not our job to educate people. And if you yeah. want to get educated, there's so many resources online. Like just a simple search can give you so many answers. There's videos of people going on about the, whatever they're passionate about and much of that is gender and sexuality mm -hmm. so i encourage people to do their own research and then I if agree. it's a pal like you know checking in that's that's different than just like hey like give me all of the give me your emotional labor and time right now without asking without a check-in yeah uh this is i think it was a year ago either today or yesterday when um they were talking about removing like essentially like erasing trans people from uh, like the definitions of, I can't remember, it's like human health, human uh, health services, human and health, I don't, Bobby, do you remember what I'm talking health about? Health and human services. Thank you, health and human services. I knew it was, it was right well, there. I the lining and I'll edit it. Okay, <laughs> so, okay so, great, thank yeah, you so much. Um, and I remember posting about how upset I was about it and um, people, it was almost in this instance of like folks who, these are the people I was trying to educate, like folks from Ohio and um, wanting to see like the ramifications of the government being the way that they are. They have real effects on real humans. Um, but so many people were uh, messaging me, asking me like, what's happening? And can you tell me what's going on? And I eventually <laughs> was like, no. Like at, at first I was like ex trying to explain it because I was like, okay, this is my job. I got to do this. I got it. Mm -hmm. This is my chance. Uh, and then eventually I like wrote, I just was like, no. I was like, do your own research yeah. and ask someone else. Like I don't want to always have to be the one to tell you. Yeah. Because uh, it can just, I'm because I'm dealing with it. This is affecting my real life. And then yeah. I don't want to have to like then ease your burden because you understand what's going on. Right. Yeah. And it's important for like folks not to reach out to people experiencing oppression and ask them for their time and labor, especially white folks reaching out to people of color and being yeah. like, tell me about, is this racist? It's like, no, that per like, do, like f confront your own racism and on, in, uh, 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 like, 
I want I want to live in a world where people can work through their shit and not put it on the people who are experiencing oppression on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Or and yes, a hundred percent. And if you need, want someone to come in and teach a workshop, pay them. Yeah. Like if you want our labor, pay us. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not only it's like uh, it's labor in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just. You know, it's just, it's a lot. Yeah, it's not just your time. It's right. It's your collection of memories and traumas that you've worked through and the time you spent educating yourself and the bravery it takes to show up and do it. And the, the knowledge that you carry is power. Yeah. And if people want that, like, it has, there has to be a trade. Yeah. See, you said it so much better than me. So eloquent. <laughs> um, all right. I wanted to um, move us into our, I don't want to, but I need to, uh, move us into our last section, which is the rapid fire questions. Great. Uh, just answer as quickly as possible. There are no wrong answers. Um, okay. Writing or reading? Oh, writing or reading? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, writing. Acting or singing? Singing. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Biking or running? biking bagels or donuts gluten-free oh 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 bagels nice train or plane train pants or shorts none coke or pepsi need coke (laughs) night or day night favorite dessert oh red velvet cupcakes yes and that's what we have one for you how about that uh also i noticed you were about to say neither and then felt like you had to answer you're neither is an option thank you so just wanted you to know that but you're not you're not forced right you're not forced (laughs) to pick one except i guess kind of it is that maybe we should rethink (laughs) this this is a binary game i know my was i was not thinking (laughs) um thank you so much for being here thank you for having me my pleasure i um I know you were talking about curating your social media, but do you have social media that you would want people to follow you on? Yeah. Um, um, I, my acro, well, I'm moving. So yeah. my oh. acro duo is taking a break, um, but we're acrothalians, A-C-R-O-T-H-E-Y-L-I-E-N-S um, on Instagram. Uh, and our stage names are Dick Transdyke and Mary Timey Moore. I would love to come back and do gigs with my acro partners. He's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Bloomsy on Instagram with three Y's. All the other blooms are taken. But um, with three Y's is great. Three Y's is, yeah, it's there. It's, it's working so far. Cool. Also, can I... Uh, Thank you. Uh, you can, sure. Okay. Um, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because uh, whenever I first came to New York, I didn't really know many people, and I didn't know many people in the uh, improv scene that weren't uh, cishet white men. Um, and you had created Thank You For Coming Out as a space for queer people to come together, and I it was the first uh, queer show I've ever been in. Mm. And... I went when I was leaving. I cried. I was just so overwhelmed with the power of the space that you created, and to see that how much it's grown. It's it's the show that I've done the most in New York. It's something I always try to make time for because it's it's so powerful, and what you're doing is important, and it's life changing, and it's something that has been a a root for me in in a city that's so overwhelming and um I'm really grateful so thank you for having that and thank you for making this I'm really happy to see that this is going to spread even further than the theater this is powerful work thank you so much that's so heartwarming if I (laughs) talk more I'll cry so (laughs) thank you so much thank you for coming out yeah thank you thank you for coming out Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.